Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some scary, scary stuff for you today. <laughs> well, here in Minner Wells, Texas, it's very cold and rainy. Perfect spooky ghost storytelling time. Woo, can't believe it, man. It's episode 141, getting closer to episode 150. It means I've been doing this for three years, guys. God, time flies. I want to just say thank you to the listeners. Numbers are still getting better. Just uh, keep on telling your friends about it and uh, keep subscribing and let's get some more members. Let's get some more people following this. But I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys listen. And thank you for all you faithful listeners. But we got a good show today. Going to be doing some uh, New Mexico today. Last week uh, we did Oklahoma. Today, this next two episodes will probably be... Um, uh, it's going to be New Mexico. So like I said, we're sticking to doing prisons, courthouses, and insane asyl- uh, asylums and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, and I want to say the YouTube channel's going good, too. Don't forget about that. And you can get this podcast on any platform, pretty much. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, I believe, uh, Amazon, iTunes. Um, pretty much on all of them. So, but if you guys are ready, I'm ready. Let's, uh, strap in. Get you a nice warm blankie. Get you some cocoa or some coffee. Go snuggle up by the fire. And hit play. And get ready to be scared, my friends. Okay, our first story... Is Fort Union. Back in the days of the Wild West frontier, Fort Union was one of the last spots of of, of civilization. One would have to travel many miles to find any other place where one could partake in social life. Among the ladies at the post was a young woman who happened to be the sister-in-law of a captain. She loved the uh, variety and the spice of adventure to be found there. She also loved the attention that young officers paid her, or young officers paid her attention. A young lieutenant proved especially... uh, Okay, a young lieutenant proved especially how much he liked her. Here he would, uh, with his charms, and devoted himself to her and hoped that he would eventually win her hand, which means you know he'd marry her or they'd be boyfriend and girlfriend. One day, one day messengers came dashing into the fort. With news of an Apache outbreak, the lieutenant was put in command of the uh, expedition. But before starting, he convic- he con- 
vowed his love to the young woman, who not only acknowledged that she returned his affection, but promised that if the that if future of war prevented him of life, she would never marry another. As he as he bade her hand farewell, which means he kissed her hand farewell, I believe. He said he'll be back to her no matter what happens. In a few days, the uh, in a few days the soldiers came back, but the lieutenant was missing. It was noticed that the woman did not seem to grieve much for him, and nobody was surprised when he announced her intention of marrying a young man from the east. On the eve of her wedding, a dance was arranged as the dance was in full swing. Okay. As the dance was in full swing, a door flew open with a bang. A loud cry was heard throughout the dance hall. In the doorway stood the body of a dead man dressed in the stained uniform of an officer. His temple was marked by hatchet gashes. His scalp was gone, and his eyes were wide open. Woo. <laughs> so apparently, like I said, when I'm researching this stuff, I kind of just glance through it. I don't read a whole lot of it. So when I read it to y'all and present it to y'all, I'm just as amazed and shocked and scared as you guys are. So apparently she fell in love with its lieutenant. He didn't come back because he got killed. But before they left, he t she told him she would wait for him. But if he died and didn't come back, she would never marry. Well, that was a crock of crap because she was uh, marrying another person. And this is reportedly what happened that night. Pretty crazy, isn't it? That would definitely scare the crap out of me. Okay. The start of the death walls. He walked into... Or, he walked to the bride and took her from the arms of her husband. Then he began, oh, okay, the start of the death waltz. I'm sorry, I need to learn how to read better. Then he began to waltz with her. A waltz was a, it was a big dance that they did back then. I mean, it, people still do it, uh, still here in America, but it's more at the old country bars and stuff. So I used to waltz a little bit back in the day. I couldn't do it now because I forgot. Okay, then he began to waltz with her. The musician who overworn declared that they did not know what they were doing played, though, as bewitched. The couple spun around and around, the woman growing paler and paler until at least she died in his arms. The man allowed her to, the man allowed her to sink to the floor, stood over her for a minute, and his hands as he sounded his fearful cry again, then vanished through the door. A few days after, a troop of soldiers who had been to the scene of the Apache uh, encounter returned with the body of the lieutenant. That's kind of crazy. This legendary death walk is an eerie tale. It could simply be a great ghost story told by these soldiers to pass the time. 
Though maybe, just maybe, the eerie event did occur, and you might be able to witness it during a visit to one of the most haunted places in New Mexico, the Florida Union National Monument. That's what it's called now. But when it was first erected, it was Fort Union. Okay, now here's some more stuff I got on it. And uh, let's see where that story, let's see where uh, this goes. Years ago, when all, okay, years ago when all Maybound, Missouri was a waste, the military post at Fort Union, New Mexico, was the only spot for miles around where any of the any of the grace of social life could be discovered. Among the ladies at the post was a certain okay, we'll go past the death waltz. We've already read read that. Um Okay. Well, this is basically telling the same uh, story that I just told. See, yeah, that's what I mean when I do my research on her. I just kind of glance. Well, yeah, that's the big story about that place, uh, Fort Union. Is the uh, soldier they still say that comes and visits the uh, the dance hall or the banquet room or whatever, and the female still shows up sometimes. So. <laughs> Look that up. That's a pretty cool story. The uh Fort Union the Fort Union in New Me uh Fort Union in New Mexico. Uh and look and it's the uh Death Waltz. The story of the Death Waltz. That's pretty cool, man. Well, she shouldn't have fibbed and said, you know, if you die I'll never marry and then, you know, get married when he's dead. He wouldn't have came back and fucked with you. I would have just said, I'll wait for you, but if you die, I'm going to have to move on. But it sounds like this bitch moved uh, on pretty quick. Pretty quick. All right. Our next story is the New Mexico State Penitentiary. Opened in 1885, the New Mexico Penitentiary had been authorized by Congress since 1853. The design was based on the same plans used for Sing Sing in Gillette. And go look up this prison. It's pretty big and intimidating. Well, that was the reason that they built the prisons. They build the prisons, especially like that back then. They try to build them more, <laughs> more big and bulkier and scary looking, you know, to, you know, to make you, you know, be a good citizen. So you're not going to be put in jail. But anyways, uh, beginning in 1903, the New, Me New Mexico began the first western state to employ prisoners in building highways. The early prison industry in New Mexico produced bricks. On the on 19 on the on July 19th of 1922, prisoners all in the Penrite against overcrowded crowd ugh, overcrowding in the uh, the nasty food there and other stuff that pissed these prisoners off used 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 and they was tired of the ex excessive force by the prison guards when the inmates refused to return to their cells 
they had or when the inmates when the inmates refused to return to their cells, the tower guards opened fire, killing one inmate and injuring and injuring five others. Five other or yeah, five others. In their reporting following their eye, the prisoners authorized were blamed for lack of experience and failure to understand how to control a prison population. The second riot was, oh my God, another one. The second riot was uh, June 15th of 1953. Inmates protesting the use of excessive force seized Deputy, Deputy Warden Ralph Tahash and 12 guards and held them hostage in the uh, mess hall. Guards killed guards killed two inmates <coughs> and wounded many others. <clears throat> the second riot led to the abomination of the original faculty as a as a prison in the construction in 1956 of what became the what came to be called the main unit. Wow. Jesus. Okay, guys, are you ready for this one? Another damn riot. Oh, man. I mean, I don't cover prisons a whole lot, but, man. All right, let's get into it. The third riot occurred in, the, occurred in 1980 and became the most infamous. It is often described as the scene of one of the most violent prison riots in the uh, correctional history of America. In a two-day period over in a... Yeah, in a two-day period, over two, where was I at, damn it? Okay, over two days, 32 minutes, oh wait, over two days, 33 inmates were killed and 12 officers were held hostage by prisoners who had escaped from the cell blocks in the main unit. Men were brutally be uh, men were brutally butchered, dismembered, and disclaimed or disclaimed, and hung up on these cells and burned alive. Oh my God! This scene, this scene of the this section of the prison, was closed in 1988 and is now referred to as Old Main. The 1980 riot was an was an inmate rebellion that did not have a plan or leadership and la and lacked any defined goals. There were a few heroes, plenty of uh, villains, and many victims. When state police marched into the uh, penitentiary of the uh, New Me of the of New Mexico on February 3rd, 1980, they did not retake the prison from the riot prison from the rioting inmates so much as they occupied the charred shell after the riot had burned itself out. 30, 33 inmates were found dead inside, some of them hor horribly butchered by their fellow prisoners. The, the emergency room at St. Vincent Hospital in Savannah was overwhelmed with more than 100 inmates.
Some of them had been severely beaten while others suffered from drug overdoses. Eight of the 12 guards who had been taken hostage were also treated for injuries. It was amazing that a right that a oh it was amazing that not a single guard had been killed. See that is weird. See that's how the prisoners are though. They killed more of their own kind than they did the guards and that's what I mean that just don't make any sense. <clears throat> the right begin uh the right began a black mark on the New Mexico history as the national press was captivated by the horror stories that leaked out of Santa Fe. The riot started in the early morning of Saturday, February 2nd, when guards uh, entered uh, dormitory E2 on the south side of the prison to do the nightly head counts. Making matters worse, the dormitory now contained several maximum security inmates that had been transferred there due to renovations in their cell blocks. In violation of prison security procedures, the door to the dormitory was locked after the guards entered the room to complete their rounds. The inmates charged the guards and subdued them quickly. Within the first few minutes of the riots, four guards were taken hostage using the key that the that had been taken from the uh, from the uh, officers inmates forced fellow prisoners that moved through an open grill gate which was also unlocked due to the uh, or yeah to the administration area once there okay once there they smashed they smashed their way into the main control center and gained access to every part of the main penitentiary of the main penitentiary building where 1157 prison or male inmates were under the custody and care of 25 correctional correctional employees see that's crazy you have <coughs> how many yeah this building had over a thousand over a thousand prisoners in there 1157 to be uh, exact and you only have 25 guards to control i mean see that's that's the biggest thing man if you're gonna have these prisons you need to have more guards i mean that's ridiculous that's just asking for punishment but don't get me on the prison system anyway it's anyways this is ghost stories okay employees the guard on duty fled, leaving behind keys that could open most of the prison gates and doors. The inside of the prison quickly became a nightmare of, of desolation and violence. One occasional press reporter later described it as a story described worldwide as a merry-go-round gone crazy. Fires were set around various locations around the prison. The inmates had also ripped out plumbing fixtures. See, that don't make any sense. Why do all that? Because then, where are you going to shit and pee? I mean, where are you going to do all that? I mean, they don't care. They just wanted to riot. Well, anyways. Flooding parts of the uh, building. Other inmates got into the uh, in, infant, uh, the uh, inf 
where the medicine was and begin taking drugs. As the riot escalated, so did the violence. Inmates who were gang members started hunting their enemies and found them. Then sometime sometime around 8 a.m. that Saturday morning, they began using tools they had discovered in the prison to gain access to the cell blocks which housed the uh, snitches and inmates in protective uh, security or protective custody or whatever. Anyways, that was segregation where they was going into. The majority of the snitches met a horrible end and a horrible end. One one unfortunately inmate was hung from the uh, upper tier of the cell block. Another had been dis, uh, dis had been disembodied, chopped up basically. Before it was over, 33 of the inmates had died at the hands of the fellow prisoners. Some of the victims were also uh, tortured and their bodies mutilated. At least 90 other inmates were seriously injured in the riot, suffering from drug overdoses or beatings, stabbings, and rapes. Oh, my God. See, and there was raping each other. Uh, rapes inflicted by other con- uh, convicts. Most of the inmates had escaped in the... Uh, or had escaped, oh my God, most of the inmates had escaped to the outside. Okay, outside of the walls. They were still in the prison, but they was in the yard where they play. By the time the uh, riot was uh, over, early Saturday morning, okay, early Saturday morning, negotiations began with some inmate leaders. Ambulances, shuttled the dead and injured and injured to St. Vincent's Sm- uh, s- smoke poured out of its prison uh, gymnasium. Okay. That's crazy. I'm just kind of reading ahead a little bit here. Sorry about that. It became clear that the it became clear that neither the inmates nor the state had a single spokesman during the negotiations. Eventually, inmates made 11 basic demands. Some concerned necessary prison conditions like overcrowding, inmate discipline, education, services, and improving food. They also had outside witnesses, uh, federal officials, and the news media. Guards that were held hostage were released. Some of the guards had been uh, protected by inmates. Others were brutally beaten. One who was uh, tied to a chair. Another lay naked on a stretcher, blood pouring from uh, a head wound. A journal, journal, a, a reporter reported, a reporter wrote, Negotiations broke off about 1 a.m. Sunday, and state officials incited no concession had been that no concessions had been made. But the riot, fueled by drugs and and hate, was running out of gas. Later Sunday morning, inmates began to trickle out of the uh, prison, seeking refuge at the fence where National Guard guardsmen 
were armed with uh, M16s. Black inmates led the escape from the uh, <coughs> smoldering building, staying in groups large, large enough to defend themselves from other inmates. By 1.30 p.m. Sunday, February, February 3rd of 1980, the violence had spent itself and police and National Guards retook the prison without uh, any resistance. After the riot, faculties were constructed to the north and south of the uh, main prison. New prison faculties were also built, built near Las Cruces, Las Lunas, and grants to ease the over... Uh, overcrowding issues. Eventually, all the inmates from the main faculty were moved out to the other sites, and former Governor Gary Johnson closed the main facu uh, faculty in 19 1998. Well, okay. Now, let's see uh, what kind of hauntings we have. Many, many vengeful, angry spirits of the dead are said to roam the abandoned prison faculties. Brave travelers report hearing footsteps when no one is around, prison doors being slammed and shut, and sounds of men screaming in the uh, distance. With so much carnage committed and hate-filled here, it's no surprise that the prison is one of the most terrifying haunted places in New Mexico. See, man, I was wondering about that because you got to figure so much violence happened there. And, I mean, that's just full of uh, negative energy, big time. Okay, now I got some more stuff. The area of the prison where the most unusual phenomenon or phenomena is phenomena are reported uh, is cell block three and four, the tool room and the laundry room. Cell block three was the maximum security ward, which also contains the solitary confinement cell. Activity reported here includes unexplained noises, a uh, smell of burning flesh or death, doors that open and close by themselves, and lights that turn off and on without an, any apparent cause. Oh. Cell, block cell block four was the area where the snitches and other prisoners held in protective custody were contained. Upon entering the cell, there were marks on the floor where riots, rioters used power tools to decapitate the snitches, God dang, and several other inmates. Jesus. Also visible are the uh, outlines of search marks where other inmates were burned to the uh, propane cutting torch. Oh, my God. Jesus. Oh, Man, there's no wonder that... Man, this place is probably just full of some wicked shit. Another inmate was hung from the upper, upper tower of cell block four with sheets 
and had been tied that had been tied together. The activity reported here is similar to those reported in cell block cell block four. Twenty three of the inmates that were uh, murdered during the riot were killed in cell block four. Oh my God, that's a lot of uh, dead bodies. The laundry was the site of several murders, although. Oh, okay. Although they occurred long before the riot of 1980, it is located in a labyrinth or labyrinth of corridors that lie underneath the prison. These corridors also lead to gas chamber, lead to the gas chamber, meaning mechanical rooms, and the tool room where the inmates stole the propane torches and other tools that were used during the riots. <coughs> Rooms at the uh, tool room, rooms at the tool room where the inmates stole propane. Okay, never mind. I just fucking read that. Uneasy feelings and whispers are often reported down there, as well as strange human-shaped shadows. Man, I bet you there's some evil in that place. An unusual phenomenon has also been reported by correction officers and national guards, who was who use the faculties for the uh, training. The commonly reported things are human-shaped shadows and the smell of burning flesh. I bet you'd never get that smell out of that place. Well, you got to think that place had, what, three riots? You know, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Three riots within a 100 years. Man. So, you know, that place has a lot of boogly booglies. Well, okay. Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Well, how's everybody doing today? It's your good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a spine, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is this bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on 
Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dicky, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we, we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. All right. Our next story is Fort Stanton in New Mexico. Indian uprisings in Fort of Stone. The place was always pretty empty. New Mexico had no more than 93,516 people that that lived there before the Civil War. Of those, around 10,000 were Indians. There were enough of them to make trouble for the remaining population. Most, most, mostly whites who were settling in the territories, Indian, in the territories, Indian country was uh, increasing with numbers. Excuse me. Fort Sumter was built in 1855 as a base of operations for soldiers fighting the raiding Apache. Named for a captain who was killed fighting them, it's surrounded by ranch land and national forest in today's Lincoln County. <clears throat> the fort was abandoned and set afire by the Union soldiers in 1861 to deny its use to Confederate uh, soldiers. But, back then though, they didn't have no way to check the weather or see if any rain was going to come. <laughs> so, when they went to leave and they set it on fire, it started raining. They had torrential rains that came down. It rained so hard it put the fires out. Then the Confederate soldiers uh, took it over later, over later that year, but only stayed a month before moving their their forces farther west to Misila, or Misila. They too set fire to the fort on their way out, and this time it burned. But the place had been built from built from native stone, so the shell remained for Kit Carson's volunteer command in Recompany in 1862. Fort Staten was rebuilt after the Civil War and continued as a base of operations against the Apache until its closure in 1896. It became a merchant marine uh, place and hospital in 1899. A civilian conservation corps work camp in the uh, 1930s and in World War 
two, it was a, excuse me, and in World War Two, um, that's where uh, uh, POWs, prisoners of war, went from Germany and Japan and the Japanese. So when we would ever, that's crazy though. You'd spend all that time and money to get them out of the country where you're having the war to put them over here when it'd been a lot, lot, easy, lot easier just to keep them over there. But, I mean, keeps them out of harm's way, I guess. Okay, merchant soldiers and POWs. And it was, again, these, a state hospital after World War II. The nonprofit profit historic per, provision group, Fort Stanton, Incorporated, successfully influenced the state of New Mexico to preserve the fort as a state monument and obtain and and obtain a grant a a money grant to restore it in 1997 we lost out we lost out on weather for our own exploration of the nearby valley of of fires state park we did not feel like trying to hike the uh, lava fields in the uh, drizzle after distant bre- after a de- decent breakfast at captain smoky's bar and bear restaurant we decided to find what is this oh Okay, where was I? We just decided to find a relatively sheltered attractions. Fort Sumner was just 10 minutes down the road, so off we went. I guess this is uh, somebody telling their experience of being there. After orientation and film at the excellent Fort Staten Museum, we took a look at the fort's restored buildings. The barracks looked as if the... Uh, the regiment had been ordered out of ordered after Apaches in the middle of some reaction. Cards, uh, cards littered a table, and a game of checkers was ready to play. But only a third of the rifles were missing from the racks, so the rest of the soldiers had to be around somewhere. The hospital wards had also been restored. I can't imagine what it looks what it looked like back then. Where was I at? Dang it. I might never walk away from this place again. The dry climate and fresh air helped uh suffers but weren't a cure. Though Germany physi- German physician Robert Koch identified the responsible oh this the respons- responsible breakout in 1884, a cure wasn't discovered until 1945. Okay, that story kind of went off there left, but they do have reports of of course soldiers, and there is an officer. That roams the uh, officers' quarters, and they say there's another soldier on a horse that roams around. So if you're ever in that area, go check that place out for me. 
and report, baby. All right. Well, let me take a little break and we'll be right back. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your co host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, Unsolved Urban Lake, murders, unsolved mysteries, murders, mysteries uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to What's, what's really, really Out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's, What's Really, really out, out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. Well, this is our last story of the evening. This is for Bayard. God. Fort Bayard was established by General Carlton. Carlton. Yeah, Carlton. <laughs> okay. Of General Carlton. Carlton. A California volunteer at the base of the Santa Rita Mountains in southwestern New Mexico in 1886. The same year, the same year saw the beginnings of the great cattle drives northward from Texas to the railroads in Kansas. And many of those cattle came from New Mexico's grazing lands. The fort's mission was to protect those lands as well as the Pinos Atlas Mining District from Apache attacks. The fort was named after General George D. Bayard, who died after being wounded at the Battle of Fredericksburg in the Civil War. Fort Bayard was initially home to Indian scouts and buffalo soldiers. <coughs> okay. Including William Cathy, who was the only known female buffalo soldier. Military leaders such as General George Crock and Black Jack uh, Pershing also spent time at Fort Byard too. 
The fort suffered its first Apache attack when it was only a year old and was a key post in the Apache Wars from 1861 to 1886, particularly the 1879 and 1880 campaign against Victorio. However, after Giornamino surrendered in 1886, the post post importance declined and declined and the most was deactivated as a troop correction in 1900. However, Army Surgeon General George M. Sternberg noted the good health enjoyed by Fort Bayard troops successfully worked to maintain the post as an Army hospital. Primarily primarily for the uh, tuberculosis patients. In 1922, the fort was transformed to the Veterans Administration, who then utilized the site as a Veterans Administration hospital at the old fort through expansions and rebuilding. Modern hospital buildings flake the former parade ground and houses were rebuilt along what was Officer's Row and Design Doctor's Row was built on the foundations of the uh, Officer's Quarters. The only major vi- uh, vestige of the old post was the cemetery on a hill overlooking the site with graves dating back to the early fort's uh, early exta- establishment. The fort was particularly reactivated as a military installation during World War II when a number of German German prisoners of war were held at the fort from 1943 to 1945. The Veterans Administration continued to utilize the site until 1965. The following year, they transferred all but the... uh, cemetery to the state of New Mexico utilized the site as a state hospital and a long-term nursing care facility. Fort Byard Cemetery became part of the part of the uh, nursing facility care or a nursing facility. Okay, then the Fort Byard Cemetery became part of the National Cemetery System and was placed on the National Register of Historic Places on July 7th of 2002. The hospital continues to to be utilized by the state of New Mexico, but many of the old buildings are failing into disrepair. See, and that's sad. They should be rebuilding it. But they say that hospital... They see uh, <coughs> old soldiers in it sometimes. You know, they'll see old patients. There, there's a woman. There's an old. There's a nurse that wanders the place. So, it is pretty spooky too with your googly booglies. Ah, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I think the best story I did today was the uh, second one, the New Mexico State Prison. I mean, that place sounds creepy, but. Jesus, it had three riots there, so that place is just 
full of fucking bad energy, man. Bad energy. So, yeah. Crazy, man. But that one was a good story. I really did like that one. That one really sounded like it scared the crap out of me. But I hope you guys liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, want to thank you guys for uh, listening and subscribing. Keep telling your friends about it. Keep growing with me. And uh, have a great day, man. Be spooky. Don't be getting scared. And uh, like I said, y'all guys uh, talk to me on Facebook if you want to. I got a page there. Ghost Stories Told from the South. Get in my DMs if you want to tell me a story or uh, look up a story and talk about it. So we can interact there, man. I love doing that with my fans. But you guys have been good. Love you. See you later. This has been Stephen LeBooth with Ghost Stories Told from the South. <laughs> I hope you guys didn't get too scared. Sleep tight. Bye.